So hi, I'm Mike Wheeler, co-host with Kim Leary on Agility at Work. Kim, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Mike. It's good to hear your voice, and I'm very excited about our guest today. Uh, that would be Joe Badaracco, my Harvard Business School uh, colleague, uh, with whom I've had a, uh, a long and uh, I'm trying to find the right superlatives here because it'd be a long list. I wouldn't want to embarrass him when he comes on, but just a wonderful person, a stellar teacher. And he's written a book called Step Back that's about reflection. And uh, if there ever were a time that we need to be able to have that capacity to pull ourselves out of the day-to-day, this certainly is that time. So we'll get him in there shortly. I just want to remind people that Agiliate Work is sponsored by Negotiation 360. You can see various things that Kim and I have written on that. Most of those are uh, open access. They're free. You can also see links to online courses that I've developed and the Negotiation 360 app. All you have to do is to go to N, as in negotiation, capital N, 360, the digits, dot expert, and you can find us. That's N360 dot expert. But enough of that. Let's uh, invite Joe to join us. So hi, Joe Badaracco. It is great to be talking with you today. And we've got uh, Kim Leary, co-host of Agility at Work on board as well. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing splendidly. It's beautiful weather and I have the illusion that I'm roughly on top of my work. <laughs> Everything's pretty good. Now, how do you, I don't want to dispel that illusion, but how in the world do you, uh, do you achieve that state? Well, what helped with today was I got some stuff done yesterday that would have been a problem this morning, but I actually managed to get it done yesterday afternoon. Admiral McRaven, who was the head of the SEAL venture that was in Afghanistan uh, with Ben Laden, has a book called Make Your Bed. First thing you should do, you make your bed, get one thing done for the day and at least you know, you've accomplished that. And you did more than make your bed yesterday. Joe, you were widely published on ethics, morals, and so forth. I remember your book where you, about having to choose between right and right. But this seems to me to be a bit of a departure for you, maybe a big one. Do I have that right? This is about reflection. And I'm wondering what brought you to that topic. It is a departure, uh, and it's not a new path that I'm considering pursuing. But maybe four years ago, I realized that, like a lot of other people, I often recommend that students and others spend some time reflecting. And I imagine both of you have done the same thing. I think almost everybody does it. And this is good advice, but it's usually not accompanied by any specifics about what reflection is or how to do it, or how people today who are busy or super busy can find time to actually do it. So for some reason or another, I thought four years ago, this would be an interesting topic to study and to study by interviewing. Ultimately, I interviewed a hundred people, mostly managers, all levels of organizations, big and small, and just tried to find out what reflection actually meant in practice and how they managed to find time to do it. So that's the, the origin. What kind of questions did you put to people? I had 
basically two sessions with most people. So we would have an introductory hour and then we had another hour or so scheduled a couple weeks later in the interim, I would send them uh, an email saying, have you done anything in the interim that looks like reflection? And the question, the basic question for all three sessions was, you know, what do you see as reflection? And uh, the interesting thing I should mention, Mike, was that the answer I got from a lot of people was, I'm not sure I'm the right person for this because I really don't spend any time reflecting. Mm, but as we, as we talked, it turned out that they did, just not in the conventional way. So it sounds like sometimes when you ask people about reflection, it feels like a specialized activity that they would have to schedule into their planner uh, in order to make happen. But it sounds like you were trying to invite them to discover the reflection they were already engaged in. Is that right, Joe? That's exactly right. Uh, the sort of standard view or classic view as reflection is takes a fair amount of time. It's solitary. You need tranquility. Um, it's a sort of going up to the mountain approach to reflection. And I was trying to turn their attention, as you put it, to what they were doing sort of day by day or week by week in smaller, unscheduled periods. So the step back title is the larger perspective, seeing the big picture, or is that kind of too much of a cliche? Well, you know, it may be a cliche, but without my prompting, a lot of the people use the phrase step back. What it reflects is the reality that we're all just sort of immersed in things, not just what we're doing now, but we have the feeling in the back of our heads, we got something else to do and something else to do afterwards. And so stepping back is a way of kind of uh, pulling yourself out of that uh, vortex uh, that we're in. But as, as you were saying that people didn't realize they were doing it, and then in the second interview uh, on reflection, they realized they were doing it. So uh, do people need to do more than kind of uh, reflect without thinking about it? Yes, I think they definitely do. Uh, most of the people I spoke with said that they would like to spend more time reflecting than they do. So one advantage of reading the book, paying attention to the guidance in it, is to, and the first strong piece of guidance is to sort of observe yourself, see when in the course of a day or a week, you actually, without trying to do it, step back and spend a little bit of time reflecting. I, I can come later on to what I mean by reflecting. Sure. When do you take these pauses? And then see in the natural course of things, and then see if you can do them more, somewhat more often without you know, scheduling it and so forth. The other reason is that if you don't have much time to reflect, you wanna spend it well. And so what I try to describe in the book are these classic approaches to reflection, which have literally stood the test of time of centuries and millennia. So you need to see when you do it, try to do it a little more often and use the time well. So Joe, is reflection best thought of as a way to solve a problem? Should you, uh, when you have a dilemma, is that the time to reflect or should it be more of, a, of a, an everyday practice? 
Is it well, a discovery? It's a place to discover or is it a place to problem solve? Well, the answer, and I'm not being facetious, is, is kind of both. Um, what I learned by reading these classic works on reflection is that there's kind of three basic approaches. And uh, one in the old days used to be called contemplation. I called it downshifting. Hmm. And it's pulling your mind back from whatever task you're working on and doing something else. It might be looking out a window. Uh, it might be looking at a photograph, but it's just moving out of the uh, productivity mindset so many of us are in. Let me mention uh, a great quote that starts the book. It's from a private equity guy, very successful. He's on the board of lots of companies that his firm invests in, and he tells the CEOs, he says, that if he ever walks, and these are often young people, you know, they're putting out fires 80 hours a, a week. He says, if I ever walk into your office and find you with your feet up on your desk, staring out the window, I'm gonna double your salary. So that's this first idea of just downshifting for a little while. The second classic approach, and you got close to this, uh, Kim, when you talked about a dilemma is pondering. And that's basically taking an issue, a problem, a dilemma, and consciously trying to look at it from a variety of different perspectives. Rather than drilling down, here's the essence of the problem, uh, here's what I need to do, bring me my, my next task. Uh, and the third classic approach is what I call measuring up. And that's saying you've got to do something, you've got some options, Think about them in terms of the standards you have for yourself and the standards other people expect you to meet. So there's three very different approaches. A, a nice way to put them is one of them focuses on being, another on thinking, and the third one on doing. And uh, I think each of those approaches to kind of stepping back and reflecting can be va quite valuable. Kim, I have a question for you. I mean, you teach at the Harvard Kennedy School, also the School of Public Health, and now you're engaged with uh, the Urban Institute. And this question is not going where you might guess it is, given how full your agenda is. But you also have uh, a doctorate in clinical psychology, and you've practiced that as well. How is the reflection that uh, Joe is talking about similar to and different from what you're trying to do with the uh, people you're helping? Well, I think there's uh, a lot of resonance with what Joe is describing with sort of clinical methods of reflection. Of course, the, the, the difference is that people are coming in with uh, a particular uh, challenge, a particular uh, way in which their lives or their hearts are not quite working in the way that they hoped. And they're looking for a directed form of reflection uh, although often the method is to say, well, let's step back from something more programmatic and engage in a kind of opening process uh, like I hear Joe talking about. So I think they're, they're similar. Uh, the basic idea I hear is that inviting people to tune into more of their thinking and more of their experiencing than they may be aware of uh, the, the kind of thinking um, and the kind of emotional experiencing that's going on as a sidebar 
alongside of everything that we do each and every day. Does that resonate for you, uh, Joe, or would you draw a distinction? Absolutely. And uh, I think uh, you need to pause sometimes and see what's going on in what Kim called the sidebar. I guess the question is, uh, there's a presenting problem that somebody is bringing to Kim uh, in a therapy session. It seems to me the origin is a little bit different, but maybe not um, in terms of contemplation, pondering, and uh, and so forth. You're you're asking people to do this not just around a particular task or an issue or a challenge, but more broadly as a way of life. Do I have that right? That's right. Uh, sometimes you do have a problem or an issue that you've got to think about, and that's where this approach called pondering, what, you know, turning something over in your mind is important. And that may be analogous to some of what happens in therapy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to make a decision, okay? And that's where this measuring up matters. Yes. But a big advantage of this sort of downshifting is you see what comes into your mind. That's and right. It could be a good idea about work, about life, about an issue, but you need to sort of take the lid off the top of your head, see what comes out. Yeah, figuratively, I think. <laughs> but you know, I, I love that way of putting it, Joe. You know, often when people have either a dilemma at work or a dilemma in their personal lives, it's not as though they haven't been thinking about it. Often they've been thinking about it a lot but along the same well-worn um, paths, yeah. and it hasn't yielded what they, what they hope. So I hear the first part of this, the pulling your mind back, as an invitation to allow yourself to discern, first of all, what's on your mind, and second, to use that to help you to uh, recognize um, what, where you might, what new, ideas you might be able to bring to the dilemma at hand. All of this sounds very sensible from both of you, but Joe, as you talked to, what did you say, 100 people, what makes this hard to do? Well, there's such a wide range of things. The standard culprit, you know, sort of round up the usual suspects is the internet, social media, ubiquitous, seductive devices. And there's no doubt that this is a new phenomenon it certainly plays a role a lot, but there are other factors. First of all, our minds just jump around a lot. If you go back 2000 years to 3000 years to early Buddhism, well before the internet, they talked about humans having what they call monkey minds. Uh, There's a kind of high that people get out of productivity, really successfully processing one task after another. And uh, that can pull them away from, make it harder for them to step back. I think another intriguing factor I came across is a lot of people have serious, complicated, demanding responsibilities. There are things they want to get done and other people are depending on them to get done. And they almost feel a little bad about sort of stepping back and not focusing on what they need to do. So that's why I think it's important to try to find the times when just sort of naturally or ideally, the times when enjoyably you look out the window or take a short walk or, by the way, have a conversation with someone. This may actually come back to what Kim was saying about therapy for a lot of people. Reflection wasn't something solitary, they did it with other people. 
there was just a different sort of climate. That's, that's so interesting and intriguing to recognize that the kind of reflection you're talking about, Joe, can involve others. It, it reminds me of my colleague, Ronnie Heifetz, over at the Kennedy School, who, as you know, has done a lot of work in the area of adaptive leadership. And one of the uh, recommendations he makes to people who have the kind of jobs where people are looking to them to solve problems or to hold people through difficult challenges, he says it's really critical to have the right confidants and the right allies to help you to contemplate what you might do uh, as you're facing these challenges. So we also use in negotiation and leadership this notion of going to the balcony, and we often tend to think of it as a solitary activity, but I hear you saying we go to the balcony with other people. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, people do this in a wide range of ways, but a lot of people, in essence, did go to the balcony. That's the right metaphor, but with a companion and the right companion. Before we got on, uh, Kim, I was talking to Joe, and I live in my hometown, Gloucester, Massachusetts, and it has a lot of charms for anybody who's just driving through. But for me, I get to talk to people that I went to uh, grade school with, and fairly often, um, and stories come up with us, and I think it really helps me stay rooted in a way that lots of people don't have the opportunity uh, uh, for. So I love my academic career and so forth, but I talk to people who fish for a living and build houses and things of that sort, and I, I hope that it opens up my perspective. What have we missed, Joe? What else will people find in your book, uh, Step Back? Well, one other thing uh, is important. So what I described is what I came to call mosaic reflections. And that's a personalized, customized pattern of small moments of reflection. Classic reflection, extended, sort of solitary, quiet thought, has been around for a long time and it's not by accident. Some of the people I interviewed actually made sure that every couple weeks they were spending, you know, it might be half an hour sitting on a patio without a device in their hand and, and a glass of wine and trying to do, take these basic approaches to reflection, you know, whether it's pondering or downshifting or measuring up and do it in more depth. And a lot of other people who didn't do that said they really wished they, they, they could. So there's a way in which the mosaic approach is not a substitute uh, for the classic approach. They're, they're, I think probably deeply complimentary. Kim, any last thoughts on your part? Yes. Yeah, Joe, you know, I think um, one question I have for you, and, and this would uh, it really be an invitation for you to reflect out loud with us. You know, as we're now many months into the pandemic and with uncertain time course ahead, what's your advice for those of us, all of us really, who are feeling the kind of pressures with an uncertain sense of what we're supposed to be doing with ourselves right now. Any yeah. advice you might be able to give us broadly about uh, reflecting during the time of pandemic? Well, yes, I think a lot of people are even busier now. So people trying to get the regular work done in their organizations, plus adapting to getting work done on Zoom. 
And in their personal lives, you've got parents trying to do their jobs from home and, ed and educating their kids. But the busyness, uh, you've got to do those things and try to do them well. But it can also be kind of a distraction from kind of leaning into other things that may be going on now. We have had these enormous disruptions in our personal lives. There's a medical risk a lot of people face. There's been these issues around social justice and Black Lives Matter. Yes. There are a lot of things worth thinking about, reflecting on by yourself or with others. And so I say, you know, try to lean into some of those things some of the time and just give yourself an exemption from meeting all your other responsibilities. See what you learn about the world, about yourself, about other people. So, so Joe, uh, Kim, too, uh, wonderful to have this conversation. And I want to remind people that the way to get started in this is to read Joe Badaracco's book, Step Back. So, Joe, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome, Mike and Kim. I enjoyed it. Wow, that was great, Kim. I always enjoy talking to Joe and you have a professional interest in reflection and getting people to understand themselves and how they think. Uh, Joe's book, uh, Step Back, is short and to the point and very, very inviting. So I hope people can find their way to it. Joe Badaracco, Step Back. Any last thoughts as we close, Kim? You know, I think during these times especially, for people to recognize the importance of reflecting as both a special moment in the day, but also as a way to tune into their own experiencing. You know, so many of us are feeling estranged from ourselves these days as we're coping with so many different demands. And as Joe mentioned, so uh, I think this is such a wonderful way to invite people into relationship with one another, but also back into relationship with ourselves. I couldn't put it any better. So thanks, Kim. Thanks, Mike.